Would you turn with me this morning to the book of Hebrews and the 12th chapter, Hebrews 12. We've been ministering for some weeks now on the subject of uh, the faith of Jesus. And uh, this is our text, so let's look at it today and continue on. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. My dad's a part of that cloud this morning. I was thinking about it. Uh, he so loved his mom and his dad. And uh, my grandfather's family, the Moore family, a lot of uncles and aunts. They had large family. And just a bunch of robust, life-loving people. And most of them already gone. And, you know, not too long after Dad went home, I thought, you know, they probably all met him. (laughs) Uncle Roscoe and Uncle Coit and Ain't Odessa and Uncle Rufus and Uncle Gordon. And Marlena and Paul Quinnon and <laughs> yeah, I'm from the south. <laughs> and glad about it. <laughs> yeah, we know how to do it. And you know, I mean, we had some big times down here, but it wouldn't hold a candle to what we're going to have up there. So. You have the same? How many of you got family up there yeah. right now? Amen. You'll see them real soon. Yeah. Right? If you lived another 50 years, 75 years, that's nothing. It'll pass like that. How many believe the Lord's winding this thing up? Yeah. Aren't you glad you're on the right side in the right family? Well, he said, we're compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. He said, seeing that, seeing that we know that and we have that, what should we do? We should what? Now think about it. We got this great cloud of witnesses. Now not just them. We got uh, Abraham. We got David. Right? We got all the prophets. We got family. You got family in your natural family name. You know, generations and generations ago. You don't even know exist. That's going to hug you when you get there. You what? Well, who are you? I'm your great, 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 great grandpa. And you're going to like them too. You're going to enjoy them. We got family. But seeing we have this kind of family already in heaven, how should that affect us? Should it make us go, man, yeah, I want to go. I want to come see my family. And just forget about everything on the earth. And let's go see the family. Read the rest of the verse. How should it affect us? What do you do? It ought to make you want to focus on running your race down here. Finishing your course. Doing your job. Why? Because they're not just calling for you to come on. They're not saying hurry up and come see us. What are they saying? What are they yelling from the grandstand? Well, what did they yell at NASCAR grandstands? <laughs> Go! Don't let him get ahead. Punch that thing! 
thing. Right? Running on the track. What do they yell from the grandstands? Come up here and sit with us? No. No. What do they tell you? Run. Run. What are they telling us? What's my daddy telling me hollering at me this morning? Go, boy, go. (laughs) Don't you let this thing slow you down. You preach. You go. Go. That's what Abraham's saying. That's what Isaac is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Go. You're not there for long. It's like a vapor. You're there and then you're gone. You're not there for long. Go. I mean, get while the getting's good. Get people saved. Get them filled with the Spirit. Get them healed. Get them delivered. Tell them about me. Right? God says, tell them about me. That is what they are rooting us on. So how should it affect us? Get rid of anything that holds you back and slows you down. Right? Get rid of it. And do what? Run with patience. Now the Amplified says endurance. Run with patience. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. So this is not just a sprint. This is not just a dash. Elsewise there wouldn't be so much emphasis on endurance. Right? This is a marathon. Isn't it? This race. Run with patience. Everybody say patience. Run with patience. Say that out loud. Run with patience. Run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. The best race runner there ever was. (laughs) Right? The author and the finisher of our faith. Now, he didn't just change subjects in mid-sentence here and go from talking about a race to talking about faith. What kind of race is it? It's a faith race. Right? It's a faith race. How do you run your race? By faith. Every day. Right? The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith. What's a run? It's a fast walk. Is that right? So you're running by faith. You're standing by faith. You're living by faith. You're walking by faith. And Jesus has already done this. Down here on the earth. Didn't he? And he did it perfectly. He didn't let anything slow him down. He didn't let anything hold him up. He ran his whole race and he heard from on high, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And how many know that as he hung on the cross, paying the price for us and finishing up, you know, about to go to the heart of the earth and finish up everything that his job and ministry was, he reached out and he hit the finish line. He said, it's finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He did it. He is our example. We are to run the race like he ran the race. And he is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
And that's how we're going to begin and continue and finish our race is by keeping our eyes on him and with his very own faith that he's given us from his word. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody said out loud, I will finish my race. I will finish my my course. course. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we have talked about the faith of Jesus for some weeks now. And we went into some detail about how faith is required. It's necessary. And about how faith comes. It comes by hearing. And about enemies of faith. How that becoming offended will rob and steal your faith. And wavering will keep you from finishing your faith race. And we talked about fear. But today let's look at this key element of faith. And you see it in verse 1. We are to run this faith race how? With patience. Everybody say patience. Now back up to the third chapter of Hebrews, and you'll see that this theme recurs through the whole book of Hebrews. We're going to see it. It builds up from the beginning to where we just got through reading. See, 12 is near the end of the book. But look in the third chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews 3 and 14. Verse 14 says what? We are made... Partakers of Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, if, well that's conditional, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What does that sound like? Got to stay with it. Right? Why would he tell us that? Unless there would be a temptation To not hold on steadfast to the end. Lest there would be something to try to work against us to hinder us. So that we wouldn't continue. Steady. Steadfast. You know it's not intense effort that wins this race. It's steadiness. It's persistence. It's endurance. Right? It's not just, you know, fasting for a week. It's not seeing if you can read the whole Bible in a month. It's a lot more challenging to read your chapter every day, Monday through Friday, for ten years. Than it is to try to do something big. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Consistency produces far more results. Than a momentary intense effort. You know what I'm talking about now. If people want to do something big. And make a big splash. And try to impress somebody. Write a big check. And maybe everybody will talk about it. But it takes a lot more. To send a check every week. For 40 years. Hmm. And I may know that's not what changes your life. It's just the one time big thing that happened in the year. Hmm? No, it's the thing that's happening every day and every week and every month. That's your life. That's where you live. And that's how we run our race. 
Every day is a new day. God's mercies are new. His grace is there. We get up and put on our faith running shoes. Right? Put on our faith jersey. And here we go. And we're not trying to impress anybody. We're not trying to break any records. We're just going to keep our eyes on the Lord. Right? And when something comes up, what are we going to do? We're going to say, where's the scripture? Right? Where's the word? Where's the verse? Because that's where our faith comes from. Right? And we're going to bring everything back to the word. And we're going to do it every day, whether people like it or whether they don't. And we're going to say the same thing, whether people get tired of hearing it or whether they don't. Right? Because the word says the same thing. Everybody say steady. Persistent. Endurance. See, this is such a vital part of faith. We're made partakers of Christ. How many understand the anointing? That's where our healing is, is in the anointing of God. That's where our wisdom and our direction, everything that we desire and need is a manifestation of God's anointing and God's power manifested in our life. How are we made a partaker of it? If we hold what? Help me read it. We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast and steady to the end. You hold on to it. Somebody say, hold on. Now look at the uh, sixth chapter of Hebrews. This just builds through this chapter. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 11. He said, we desire that every one of you. How many? This is for everybody. Do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. Now we found out that hope means expectation. Unto what? Unto the end. Well, the end of what? Well, yeah, go to, uh, hold your place there and go to First Peter. We are to show diligence to the full assurance of our hope, our expectation unto the end. Now, in First Peter 1, First Peter 1 And seven, he said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried, there's that word trial and then tried, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Is your faith tried? How is it tried? How is your faith tried? Well, one of the biggest ways it's tried is by time. Time tries trust. It tries it. A lot of people can, you know, get stirred up by the word, get stirred up by a message, and man, I filled out my vision list, and I put it down, and oh yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But can you still be that excited five years from now? That's what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women faith-wise. Right? I mean, anybody can get down and on their knees and ask for the sun and the moon and the stars and ask big and grand and great and glorious. But how long can you stay persuaded, expecting, 
and excited. How long (laughs) can you stay excited? That's what shows where your faith is at. You really don't have any more faith than you do patience. You and I, none of us. Patience is the companion force of faith. It's not enough to just believe God. You've got to believe God until. How many know if you believe God like a house of fire for two weeks and quit? That you get the exact same results as if you hadn't believed God at all. It's not enough just to believe God. You've got to believe God until. Right? So you don't have any more faith than you do patience. When your patience runs out, what's going to happen to your faith? You get tired of waiting. You get tired of standing. You get tired of expecting. You get tired of being excited. And all you can see is the bills. And all you can see is how you feel. And you get tired of it. What's happening to your faith? It's fading. Right? You get to the place where you're not excited about your healing anymore. You're not excited about paying off all your debts anymore. Well, Brother Keith, I've been standing for two years. What do I do now? (laughs) Well, what do you think? Is it done? Do you see it? Well, you keep standing. Right? How long, Brother Keith? How long? As long as it takes. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. Here he says, this is how you do it now. How do you make it through the trial of your faith? I've had people tell me before you know, Brother Keith, or they've written into us. I've had people tell me this to my face. Brother Keith, I tried that. <laughs> I hadn't heard it just once. I've heard it numerous times. I tried that tithing. Got in the biggest mess financially. <laughs> no, it didn't work for me. That's just that's not for everybody. Yeah, Brother Keith, I tried that healing stuff. I, you know, I just don't think it's God's will for everybody. Yeah, Brother Keith, I tried that. I tried that. No, no. It tried you. <laughs> and you flunked. Psalm 105 says, talking about Joseph. It says, until the time of his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Read that in Psalm 105 sometime. Well, now, how many know what happened with Joseph? Joseph had a vision. He had a dream. God showed him where he was taking him. He showed him his future. And he got excited about it. And he told his brothers, and he got ready for everybody to bow down to him and him be the main man. And then what happened? Come on now, help me out. What is going on during this? The Bible said the word of the Lord tried him. People say, well, I tried it. No, it tried you. 
People got it all mixed up. I tried it and it didn't work. No, there is no such thing as the word doesn't work. It's like saying God doesn't work. No such thing as the word doesn't work. People don't work. (laughs) They're confused people. But he's got this word. He's got this vision. And he believed it. I mean, he believed it. He's telling people about it. God has shown me this. And this is going to happen to me. And next thing you know, he is a slave. Somebody's property. Did he lose his vision? No, see, that's why it's in the Word. Until the time that His Word came, the Word of the Lord tried him. We got the whole story. Did he ever quit believing that? No. No, I can show you several evidences to prove that he never gave up on that vision. Even in this situation of being a slave, he believed God, and God made him a rich man as a slave. How many believe God can prosper you anywhere? It doesn't make any difference where you are. As a slave, you become rich. And then he's doing good in his situation. And Potiphar's wife lies on him. And now he's in the dungeon. A lot of people would have quit. Wouldn't they? They'd have been down there eating slop and. Dodging spiders and and rats and stinking and thought, you know, I don't know what I was thinking about. (laughs) Ain't nobody bowing to me. (laughs) Don't nobody even know I'm alive. My folks think I'm dead. Right? But I can tell you, he did not do that. How can you say? Think about it. When Pharaoh's butler... His cupbearer and his baker were thrown into prison there with Joseph. You remember? He bops in one day and says, what's wrong, guys? Why are y'all down? Why are y'all so sad? They could have said, because we in the dungeon? Maybe. Because they're going to kill us? See, I, I, I know that speaks volumes to me that he bops in the door. He's been there for how long already? And he bops in and says, oh, guys, why are y'all down today? Oh, friend, the devil cannot defeat a man like that. The devil cannot defeat a woman like that. That no matter what your situation is, you are not down. You are not feeling sorry for yourself. You'll never turn loose of your vision. You'll never turn loose of the word God gave you. You say, oh no, oh no, no. It has to come to pass. It was just impossible. You're in the dungeon. Nobody even knows you're alive. Yeah, God knows where I'm at. And he showed me this and he'll do it. And the word of the Lord tried him for years, but he came out shining. He passed the test. And how many know one day, here comes Pharaoh's man calling for, is there a Joseph down here? Is there a Joseph down here? And in a few hours, he is washed and dressed and smelling good and looking good in fine clothes. And before the day was over, he's the number two man in the most powerful country on the earth at that time. How quickly 
God can turn things around if you and I won't quit. If we won't quit. It's so sad. And the younger you are, well, I got about four scriptures going at once here. Go to Romans 5. I didn't finish with that, but the Lord's leading us. Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 1. Being justified by faith. Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're walking by faith, do you have peace? In whom we have access by faith. How do you get into the good things? It's by faith. Unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. How in the world could you glory? In tribulations, knowing because you know something. You know the tribulation is not the end of it. Knowing that tribulation does what? It works your patience. It tries it. And it works it. Right? Patience, friend, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And as such, it develops, it grows. If it is fed and exercised. Just like your faith. How many know not everybody has the same degree in operation of faith? To every man's given the measure of faith, but what you do with it. And then Jesus referred to some people as no faith and little faith and great faith based on what? Based on what you do with it. If you don't have any more faith than you do patience, not only must your faith develop, but what else must develop? Not just your ability to believe and trust, but your ability to do it for as long as it takes. How do you develop patience? Not by praying for patience. Hmm? And then some people say, oh, you don't have to worry about that. I ain't going to pray for patience because who you pray for patience and dear Lord, don't tell you what's going to happen to you. All wrong thinking. Forget all that. Why are some people's bodies in better shape than others? Because some people take the opportunities to work out and exercise. Other people keep passing them by. Right? Come on, y'all. You want to work out with me? Uh, That's all right. Go ahead. Uh, same thing with why some people have great patience and a whole lot of people have hardly any. Because you have opportunities to exercise your patience every day. Amen. And to give it a workout. But so many people refuse to take the opportunity. You're standing in a long line at the grocery store. Here's a chance to work out. Right? Yes. But a lot of people don't do it. They sit there and fume and go, ah, oh, I ain't coming here no more. Well, you got ahead of me. <laughs> Sitting in traffic. Here's wonderful opportunity. Right? To exercise your patience. You can sit there and you can fume and you can fuss and you can be frustrated and you can be vexed and you can exercise that. 
and you can exercise your anger. And you know what will happen? It will grow. Your frustration will increase. Your anger will increase. Or you can feel aggravated, but you can say, uh-uh, no, no, no. I'm just going to relax right here. <laughs> and I'm just going to enjoy a good time with the Lord sitting here in this car. And I need to pray for that brother up there. <laughs> Because he definitely needs some wisdom and peace and grace. (laughs) Now you, don't misunderstand, you can feel like you're about to come apart, but you don't have to act like you feel. Spiritual people control their feelings. Then say you don't have any. But your feelings are not controlling you, you're controlling them. In fact, what is it? Luke 21 said, in your patience, you possess your soul. People with strong patience and developed patience, they're in control of their soul. Their emotions and their feelings. People are quick to fly off the handle and say whatever crosses their mind. Snap at people. These are carnal people. They are not people of great faith. I don't care who you think they are. Why? Because you cannot have great faith without great patience. You can see strong faith. As the enemy keeps layering stuff on. You got a problem, now you got three. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You took a step to improve it, now it's worse. And you'll find that the enemy, oh, he's a sorry cuss. Anybody understand what sorry means? Sorry. The enemy, he is the chief at kicking when you're down. He lays like a predator. The Bible said he goes about like a roaring lion. And particularly what he's looking for is the weak one in the back of the pack. And when you're in a tough situation is when he comes and tries to pour it on. Have you ever noticed that? Some people quote and say, oh, when it rains, it pours. Don't quote that. That's not a scripture. But the reason people say that is because of their experiences. That there's been times when something began to go wrong and man, it just seemed like the thing escalated and we had three problems and now we got 12. Well, that's the enemy. He sees an opportunity and he thinks that you're kind of going down. Well, now's the time to pour it on and try to take you out. Get you to just lose your faith completely. Get you to just go zonkers and, and give up and go spastic. and Right? But what's going to get you through that? Strong faith, which has to be accompanied with patience. Can you see it? You get hit with something and you go, I don't care. God's word is true. Right? Greater is he that's in me. Than he that's in the world. Amen. I have the mind of Christ. Amen. And then four more things happen. 
And see what happens as things progress, your body and your mind gets louder and louder. And the things out in this world get louder. Your feelings can get to the place where, man, your feelings are going, I can't take this. I can't. And you say, shut up. Shut up. Greater is he. See, what is this? This is persistence. You just stay in there. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have the mind of Christ. And I have the peace that passes understanding. And I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. And the question is, how long can you keep doing that? And how far can you keep doing that? Well, by the grace of God, there is no place where you can't. Because he said he would not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. He won't allow it. So in Romans 5, he goes on to say, tribulation works patience, and patience works experience, and experience works hope, expectation. And hope makes not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which has given us. What does our faith work by? Love, and one of the biggest things is just having a revelation of how much your Father God loves you. Based on that, you'll hold on. You won't quit. You'll say, oh, no, 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 no. He's brought me through before. You see, that's what he's talking about, the experience. He's brought me through before. He's done it again and again. Nah, we're going to make it just fine. Hmm? We're going to make it just fine. We're going to be okay. God's going to bring us out. Right? And no matter how much darker it looks, you never change. Now, did you notice he mentioned experience? We need to minister to our young people, our children and our teenagers. It is alarming and it is so sad that so many teenagers commit suicide every year in this country. They have. Why? Something happened in their life to the point they lost their hope and their faith and their patience. They don't see any reason to go on. Why wait another day? And so many times to us that have been through a few things, we look at what they killed themselves over and we just shake our head and think, You know, we've been through a thousand times that bad. But the thing is, they didn't have the perspective we had. Because they haven't had the experience. Do you see what he's talking about? The experience works the hope. Well, their boyfriend dumped them. So life is not worth living. And they lose their hope and they lose their faith. And why wait another day and kill themselves? And... Their young life is cut short. And we know, I know, I hope you know, that they could have just went back to the house and got an ice cream. Are you with me now? And said, uh, (laughs) you know, get a friend, let's go to the mall. Right? And put one foot in front of the other. And make it through another hour. 
And you'd feel a little better. Right? I'm not saying it's going to all change overnight. But by the end of the week. In some of these situations. They could have said they had what boyfriend? It really can happen just that quickly. And you may say well yeah but now brother Keith. You talking about puppy love. Hey that's real to them. You've been there. I've been there. You said, but I got serious problems. How do you think God sees your serious problems? <laughs> It'd be more inconsequential than you seeing a child, you know, that they broke their boot off their G.I. Joe. And so they're sitting there crying. You're going, oh, baby, that ain't nothing. Daddy will get you a new G.I. Joe. Yeah, but it was my G.I. Joe. That's how God sees your big problems. It is. That's how he sees your big stuff. Now, he cares that you're touched by it. But to say he's impressed with the difficulty of your problem? No. He could fix it without raising a little finger. But what he must have from us is faith. And faith must be accompanied by patience. Go back to the sixth chapter, please, of Hebrews, where we left off. Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Can you look back over your life and see where there was a tough spot? Where there might have been a day or a week that you felt despondent or despaired about it. But how many of you can say that you're not that way now? (laughs) It's like, you know, at the time it was like a nightmare. But now it's like a bad dream that happened to somebody else. You know, it's just, how many can raise your hand and say that that's, yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? It means there is hope. There is help. And the best is ahead. Do we have something to live for? To fight for? To believe for? To stand for? Yeah. And how quickly, even though things may seem to drag on a long time in a certain way. Look at Joseph. How quick that thing turned around. And he went from the worst place you could be to the best place you could be in a half a day. Hebrews 6, are you there? Yes, sir. Let's finish reading it. We desire, verse 11, Hebrews 6, 11, that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. And I had you turn there to First Peter. And what we didn't finish reading is that, you know, he talked about receiving the end of your faith. Yeah. And the way you do it is even though you're tried, your faith is tried, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. He went on to say, verse uh, 12, that you be not slothful. One translation says, don't be dull and lazy. But followers of them who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises. How do you get them? How do you get what other people fail to get? How do you get the miracles in your life? The big things. How do you get them? You get them through faith and 
patience. Patience has got to be there too. Because you've got to keep on believing and you've got to stay just as excited two years after you prayed the prayer as the day you prayed the prayer. Right? Just as persuaded, just as expectant, just as excited. Stay excited. Sometimes you've got to get up in the morning and if time is drugged by and the report is worse than it was when you started, you've got to get yourself by the ear, drag yourself over to the mirror and look yourself in the eye and say, get excited, boy. Get it. We am, and it's been six months. Well, hallelujah, you're six months closer to it than you were when you started. Yeah, you are. You're closer to it than you've ever been. Right? Got to think right. Got to talk right. Got to stay in faith. He said, when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He said, surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And we found out Friday night, that blessing is ours. Is that right? And so, verse 15, how did he get it? Now, let's just back up. We read Friday night in Genesis 12, when God told Abram, to get out of his father's house, get away from his kinfolks, and go to a place where he would show him. And he proclaimed the blessing over him. He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. He said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. We read he went on to talk about, I'm going to multiply you and increase you. And what happened the next year? He was very rich. And what happened the next five years? But what about this multiplication? What about this? I mean, he had not a son. This went on. He was about 75 at the time. And so here comes 80, 85, 90, no son. Right? See, time tries your faith. It tries you. Now, let's just start, you know, Joseph, he was 17. And when that word came to pass, he was what, about 40? How many years is that? So here, uh, Abram, 75. You know, I'm sure he thought, well, you know, we got to get with this uh, father of many nations stuff pretty quick here, right? And Sarah, she couldn't conceive when she was 20. And they just keep getting older, and they keep getting older, right? What would you think? You would think, well, it it seemed far-fetched 15 years ago, right? Just keeps getting older. Seems like it just keeps getting further away. But how long is 20 years? Hmm? There are two passages, one in Psalms, one in Peter, where we are told that Psalm says that a thousand years is like a night that is past. And then First Peter said that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So we got confirmation that that's how the Lord sees time. To him, of course, he's been around a lot longer than us. Now, let's just back up. How many of you, let's say you're 
60, 70, 80 years old or whatever now. And you can remember back when you were 10. And you were waiting on Saturday to come. For some reason. And it was Monday. How long did those five days or six days, how long did they seem? You think, oh man. And how many remember when you're, what, 14, at least when I was a boy, you could get your driver's license when you're 15. I get a lot of places 16 now. But how long did that last year seem? Oh, you think, oh man. But now, let's say you're 70, 80 years old, how long does a year seem now? Well, the actual passage of time has not changed. It's your perspective of it. God's been around a whole lot longer than we have. So to him, a millennia, a thousand years, to him is like a day. So when he tells us, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season you'll reap if you faint not. What's he telling us? You, you could have to wait a little bit. Well, we need to get our mind renewed to what he calls a little bit. Right? How many feel like you could stand and believe God for five minutes? Some of you already know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> but this is Bible now. I mean, we think about, you know, if everything just happened the moment you prayed or the moment you stood, it would require no patience. doesn't work like that. There is the sowing, there is the waiting, and there is the reaping. Right? Everything in life works this way. And the waiting is the part your flesh don't like. But you have to put your flesh under. And if the Lord said, you know, just, you know, he told the disciples, can't you watch with me one hour? God time, if a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years, one hour would be about 40 years. 40 years. I think it's actually 41.6. Years for an hour, God time. So if the Lord said, you know, could you just hold on for about 15 minutes? (laughs) Can't you stand and believe me for 15 minutes? How much is that? That's right. That's right. That's about 10 years. So we got to get our minds renewed, don't we? To standing, because people come and say, well, I've been standing for six months. Wow. <laughs> you just barely got started. That's one of, to me, one of the most impressive things about God is, of course, his love, but his patience. Oh, his patience, part of what makes him so great. His patience is just, 
What's the word to describe it? He'll say something. He'll decree it. He'll prophesy it through his men and women. He'll say something's going to happen. And sure enough, it will. 600 years later. And to him, that was just a little over half a day, I reckon. So it happened the same day. We got to get our minds renewed, don't we? We got to think right. And we thought, well, well, I've been standing for 10 years on this particular thing. Well, that ain't much. That's not much. But that's where people run into trouble, isn't it? They get excited about something. They put something on their vision list. And they join hands and agree and pray with somebody. Somebody laid hands on them. They released their faith. Yeah, I'm expecting, I'm expecting. But they, in their mind, they have a time frame. Right? And if they don't see it by a certain amount of time... Well, I guess it didn't work. You've heard me tell it before, but let me tell it again in closing. Phyllis and I learned this when we first started out believing God. This is before we went to Ramah, before we got into ministry. We'd been married, I think, a year and a half maybe, and young in every way. And we got a hold of some tapes and found out that God wanted us blessed. One of the best things I've ever heard in my life. I thought, you are you serious? God wants us to have stuff and money? Oh, it just sounds too good to be true at first. God never heard anything like this. And then the more I got into word for myself, I thought, well, there it is. There it is right there. So we decided we needed everything. <laughs> we decided we're going to do this. We're going to pray the prayer of agreement. Yeah. We're going to release our faith. I said, well, you know, let's don't be too hasty about this. Let's think about this for a few days and weeks, and, and then we'll get together on it. And so we wrote down, you know, we had debts we had to pay off. And, and we wrote those down and, and said, well, you know, we, uh, we need clothes to wear. Man, we needed clothes desperately. We need decent food. And, and then we got to, we need a car. Man, we need a car. These are the pieces of junk that we got. We need a decent car. And then we got to thinking, well, hey, God's a big God. Let's believe for a good car. And then we thought, well, hey, 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 God's a big God. Let's believe for a new car. Then we thought, hey, God's a really big God. Let's believe for a nice new car. And we went out to the lot and we got to looking and we found one. What was it? 1979. Is that what? 1979 Buick Riviera. Of course, they still made them pretty big, you know, back then. And uh, boy, this thing had... A lot of chrome on it and everything. And we thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the car. So we're going to believe for one. So we uh, got together and we got our little stuff in our hand. And in our little 1969 Marriott mobile home. With the genuine artificial imitation leather. and It was a sight. And we said, we're going to believe for this. So we joined hands and we prayed and we claimed the money to pay our bills and for our clothes and we claimed for food and money to pay off our little trailer and other stuff that we had and, and we claimed us a brand new Buick Riviera. And then I thought, no, no, the Lord didn't tell me to do this, but I heard somebody else do it. So I thought, well, I'll do it. We'll give God 30 days. We believe we receive it by the end of the month. We figured that's plenty of time, you know, for God to work. 
Where does it say in the scripture for us to set time frames and time limits on what we're believing God for? But you see, people do it all the time. And I had heard somebody else say that, so that's why I did it. Didn't find the scripture for it. So, we're believing God. Well, we didn't see a whole lot. As the next days passed and days passed and days passed and weeks passed. and But we're excited. We're persuaded of this. And we're expecting and we're excited. Got down to the last week. Then it got down to the last day of the 30 days. We both got up and went to work. Man, every time the phone rang, I'm thinking, ah, ah, that could be it. We checked the mail, that could be it. Somebody wanted to talk to me, that could be it. But nothing at work. We went back home and ate our little supper in our little trailer and no calls and no visitors and no special deliveries and nine o'clock at night and ten o'clock at night. We're still expecting, we're still expecting. Eleven thirty. Twelve oh one. Twelve thirty. One o'clock. We got to go to work in the morning, so. Spiritually speaking, our feathers fell. Do you know what I mean by that? We're like, didn't say it, but we're thinking, well, that didn't work. And see, that's where so many people are, and they're thinking, I tried it. And it didn't work. But tell me the truth. It tries you. And then we'll see if you stand or if you quit. So we didn't say much more about it. And the Lord helped us though over the course of the next year or so. We paid off our debts. We got a few little clothes. We began to eat better. Most importantly... Realized God had a call on our life. And wound up going to Ramah. Well at Ramah I'm first year. And man I am just eating it up. Oh I'm hearing so many wonderful things. And learning about faith. Sitting under Brother Hagin. Hearing about faith. And then I'm going to prayer school. And healing school. And faith, faith, faith. And man I, one day I was so excited about faith. And I was at prayer school. And about to pray. And I'm talking to the Lord. And praying. And And I realize, hold up now, everything I'm hearing about faith, so much of it's what I already thought, and it's what I thought we were doing on those 30 days. And I realized, I must not even know what faith is. I thought, Lord, you got to help me, because I thought we were in faith. And if we obviously weren't in faith because it didn't work, so you got to help me. Please show me what faith is because I thought it was faith. And from what I'm hearing now, I still don't see it. I'm laying there on the floor. And the Lord began to speak to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me very distinctly. He said, you were in faith. I thought, huh? (laughs) Anybody know what am I thinking? What, Huh? If we were, then where's our car? Right? Who got our car? Where's our Riviera at? I thought, Lord, I, what do you mean? 
He said, you were in faith. In fact, you were doing well for where you were because we knew so little. He said, you were doing well for where you were. I thought, Lord, I'm not following you. We were in faith, but it didn't work. He said, you were doing well. Until a little mechanism with hands and springs clicked a few times and you decided my word wasn't true anymore. Yeah, I saw it. We were doing fine until 1201. And how many understand your faith can't go any further than your patience, than your endurance. When your endurance runs out, that your faith is going down too. I thought, ah, ah. And I began to lay there and kick myself. Dummy. Dummy. You, I mean, you might have just had to stand another day or two or a week or whatever, you know, and you could have been using that car. And the other stuff. I thought, mm, ah. He said, he just kept speaking to my heart. He said, y'all were doing well for where you were with as little as you knew. He said, but I wrote this down. He said, understand this, son. He said, ask as big as you dare. Anything you can ask, I can top it. I can do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or think. He said, but when you ask big, be prepared to stand long. And so he didn't say you'd always have to. What did he say? Be prepared. Ask as big as you dare. But when you ask big, be prepared, if need be, to stand long. And some of you that have walked with God for a while, you've seen some of the biggest things you had to stand a while on. Not always, but a lot of times. And I wrote that down. Ask big. <laughs> Be prepared to stand long. I thought, Lord, and I apologize. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was ignorant. He said, I know it. <laughs> I know you were. I'm still laying there thinking, oh, man, I could have just held on. He said, it's not too late. I thought, huh? He said, it's not too late. I thought, what, what, what? He said, go back and pick it up. I thought, can you do that? I forgot who I was talking to. (laughs) Go back. And pick it up. I knew in my spirit what he's talking about. What does that mean? Go back. You get Phyllis and talk to her about it. And go back just like y'all were expecting and excited for those 30 days. Get persuaded, expecting and excited again. And this time, don't quit till you see the thing. No matter how long it takes. I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't wait to get home. I got home, Phyllis and Fork. I said, Phyllis. I said, you remember, you know, in that little trailer, we're believing for that new car and all. So she said, yeah. I said, look, look, I've heard from the Lord. God spoke to me about this today. He said, go back and pick it up. We don't have to just let it go. We can go back and just like we were believing, we can hook back up with it. See, with God, these things are eternal. They don't just fade away. And this time, we don't quit. So we renewed our faith. We got hooked back up again. And we're expecting. And six months passed. And we're still expecting. And a year passed. And we're still expecting. And another year passed. And we're still expecting. And another year passed. And we were still expecting. And another year passed. (laughs) 
And we were still expecting. And another year passed. Somebody say another year. year. Now see, this is why a lot of people don't receive things, isn't it? Because they just, you know, they get tired and they just get weary. And Phyllis comes in one day. She says, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) So-and-so, she called his name. It's a businessman. Said, he told me today the Lord dealt with him to buy us a car. I said, yeah. She said, yeah. I said, what kind? He said, any kind we want. I said, yeah. (laughs) When? He said, go pick it out right now. I said, woman, get your purse. Get your purse. (laughs) What was it? January, February? Snow on the ground. We went and looked at this one and that one and different, you know, nice makes of cars and nothing had really bore witness with us. And we went by another dealership and there was one sitting in the showroom. One of the fanciest little things you ever seen. It had some new electronics that had just come out. And this is back in the uh, 80s, of course. And, uh, just beautiful, but it had sold on it. It was a Buick Riviera. We had almost forgot about the Riviera part. We were just believing for a new car at this point. But this thing, well, just, I mean, it just suited us to a T. We said, well, if something happens, the deal falls through, call us. They called us before the day was out. We drove that thing out of the showroom. Onto the snow. Tags paid and taxes. Well, it makes you shout. You're thankful for it, right? So I wish somebody would do that for me. It don't come by wishing. <laughs> you got to sow your seed. And you got to be persuaded. And you got to expect. And you got to get excited. For as long as it takes. Can you say amen? Through faith and patience you inherit the promises. Stand on your feet if you would. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.